We're continuing our uh, sermon series, Christmas Lessons from the Family Tree. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jacob started us off. And last week, Brandy had the ominous job of uh, what? She read all the genealogy names from Matthew. So really tough uh, uh, challenge for her to do that for us. But she did a great job. And so I'm talking about uh, an above average Joe. So I think you know who I'm talking about. I'll be focusing today our attention on Joseph and his role in this great salvation story which God is bringing our way. So, so good to be with you. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. So if you have your Bibles, you can read along with me. I'll be starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until he gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So friends, uh, we're a great story, and uh, we're going to pick up there and look at our family tree uh, that we are a part of in this great salvation story, looking at Joseph today, and I invite you to pray with me. Lord, in these moments, speak through me. Speak into this message. Speak into the hearts of your people. Lord, we give the Holy Spirit room to work right now and to speak to us how we need to be challenged and encouraged. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So Joseph is often overlooked. Many times the carols that we sing at Christmas are talking about Jesus and the mother. And uh, I think there's some theological reason for this. I think that because we wanted to make sure we understood that God's, God's the father of our son, Jesus, you know, his son, Jesus Christ, and Mary's the, the, bond, you know, the servant who stepped into that role to fulfill the, the prophecy, the virgin shall give birth to a son. It was this immaculate conception by the Holy Spirit. And, but Mary uh, gets all the limelight and the hymns and the songs. In fact, we would sing, what, silent night, holy night, right? Round, round virgin, mother and child, and even the song, What Child Is This? Uh, what child is this who's laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? You know, I think there was probably times that Joseph got to hold the baby Jesus as well, but the hymns are about this relationship, mother and child, and then we, we uh, know about this uh, haste, even the song continues, haste, haste to bring him loud, the babe, the son of Mary. Well, Mary, did you know? Many of you have heard that on the radio as we hear Christmas songs throughout on KVNE and other and K Love and all these Christian radio stations. Mary, did you know? Mary, as you pondered and you thought, as you held that baby, did you know that one day that son would walk on water? Did you know that your son would save our sons and daughters? 
But friends, the good news is, is that uh, as we get further into uh, contemporary music, there's been a lot of things that have been written about uh, Joseph and this special relationship and the lullaby. And probably you've already heard this song on KB&E. It's called Joseph's Lullaby, and it's a sweet lullaby. And if you get to uh, look on it online, you might see it with some beautiful maybe pictures there in a little niche with with this uh, hay and everything. But the words from Mercy Me are this. Can you feel the weight of your glory? Do you understand the price? Think of the price that Christ will pay. Does the Father guard your heart for now so that you can sleep tight? Just a beautiful reflection, some of maybe uh, thinking about uh, what Joseph may have thought as he looked over this baby that had been born, the Savior of the world, that he would give the name Jesus on the instruction of the angels. There's not a lot of biblical content and information about Joseph. Uh, we only find that his, his narrative is found in, uh, in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 2. That's it. And uh, get this, there's no recorded words that he says. So none of the gospel writers recorded anything that uh, came out of Matthew's, uh, out of Joseph's lips. So friends, if you're going to be in a, uh, a Christmas pageant, tell them you want to be Joseph, right? You don't have to memorize anything. See, the easiest part, right? But then the other thing to remember is that I found this, I had forgotten that uh, Joseph has uh, four dreams, Uh, recorded here in these two chapters, uh, first two chapters of Matthew. And that's kind of intriguing because you think of the other Joseph of the Bible, the Joseph of the Old Testament. Do you remember how many dreams he had? This could be a trivia question. He had six dreams. But this Joseph had four dreams. And oftentimes we think of this dream where he's told to go ahead and marry Mary, uh, who is now a child, and not to divorce her uh, privately, which was his plans. But there are other dreams, and I'll make reference to a couple of them here also in this message. But I wanted you to know about that, and we're going to pick up the gospel lesson today, and this idea that they were engaged to be married, and I'm going to kind of flesh that out a little bit a bit, so that we understand the context of what was going on in their relationship. So in verse 18, it says that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. What did that mean? We know that probably in biblical times, in this case, that the two of them probably had an arranged marriage. Those, those uh, parents would have come together maybe around the age of eight or nine, and they arranged the marriage for Mary and Joseph. And that's important to know because I think that if you're going to undo what has been, re- has been arranged by parents, there may have been some parental involvement. So we'll get to that in just a, a few minutes. But they, they, at the age of 12, the two of them would have known each other and their families enough to come to a certain place where they actually agree that the arranged marriage is something that they want for themselves. And at the age of 12, probably, or 13 for Mary, and then we have Joseph. He could have been 15, 16, or 17 years of age at this point. They go to the synagogue, and the two of them have a covenant type of relationship where there is the passing of wine to each other, and Joseph presents a wine cup to her. In her receiving of that wine, she is saying, I want to be betrothed to you. I want to be in this engagement. I want to be married to you one day. And so it, it really ratifies the covenant relationship between them. You'll notice in the scripture I read, they are beginning to be called husband and wife, even though the marriage has not taken place, even though it's not been consummated. They haven't had the hoopah ceremony yet. Okay, we'll get to that. But they are technically at this point in a period known as engagement. And Joseph would at this point would have started construction on the house that they would live in. 
and it would most likely be shedded onto the house of his father. And so if you're thinking about John 14, that's a good Bible echo. What does Jesus say the night before he's crucified? I will go ahead of you and I will go to my father's house. I'm preparing a place for you. There's a great content there. He's thinking about, I'm going to, you're the bride, my, the church is my bride and there's going to be a time when I will come back and take you to be with me so that where I am, you might be also. There's just that beautiful imagery that's gonna play out at the end of Jesus' ministry and what we're looking forward to when we look forward to the day when Jesus comes to claim his bride. At this point in our story, Joseph is simply going back home and he's building on a house for Mary to come and live with him and they were going to start their family. And being a person who is a carpenter, don't you know, he was gonna make this a nice house. He was gonna go all out. He was gonna have some custom features in that house to make it really special for he and his bride. And I'm sure he was talking about it with his buddies, okay? About all the excitement that he was gonna have. So there they are making preparations for each other. And this, friends, uh, would have been the time when you would have, if it was current times, you would have received a card in the mail that said what? Save the date, right? You would have had to save the date, Mary and Joseph. But in those days, they didn't really set a wedding date that whenever the house was prepared, then the word would get out among the friends and they would come together and they would have what's called a hoopah service. And in that hoopah service, there'd be a white canopy tent and there they would exchange the vows, making them husband and wife together. They would consummate the marriage and there would be a week-long celebration with all their friends partying and celebrating and wine and food and people would have come and it would have just been a week-long celebration. That is the road they are heading on. But then in verse 18, interruption of story. Before they came together, before the actual marriage ceremony took place, the hoopah ceremony, before the consummation, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph doesn't have this information. All right, that information is found in Luke's gospel, chapter one, where remember Mary has a, has a dream or has an angel vis visits her. And in that dream and in that, when that angel speaks to her, she concedes to say, I will be the one that I will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph does not get all that information. So that's kind of something we need to remember. That's found in Luke 1, 28 through 38, that story of the angel that visits Mary. And so think of Joseph getting the house ready, thinking about all his buddies bragging about how beautiful the house is gonna be when it's ready, how wonderful it's gonna be to have all the food and the celebration, the festivities. And guess what he's posting on social media? The happy emoji, right? It's all over everything, right? He's the happiest guy. And in fact, I just talked to a guy who was uh, getting married and asked me to do his wedding in September. And uh, he was like, I can't wait to get married. And guys, I hope you had that, that exact same joy and excitement in your voice when you were anticipating marrying your wife. And I remember having that same feeling for Gina. So this is where we are in the storyline then comes the challenging word, and I'm borrowing from Howard Eddington's book, The Forgotten Man of Christmas. And this is, uh, just think about, because I think as I said a minute ago, sometimes we think that uh, it's just Mary and Joseph dealing with this. There's, there's a family dynamic that's going on, okay? There, there's a lot of, and, and usually when we're in crisis, it's not just us, it's usually connected with 
family, relationships. And if the, parent, if the parents had been involved in the arrangement and the parents had been there when the covenant was signed in the synagogue and creating this engagement, and now Mary is pregnant and probably has been gone for three months uh, with Elizabeth, if you remember that part of the story from Luke 1, Luke 8, Luke 1, 38, she is now coming back. She's telling her father what's going on. She's been with Elizabeth. She's at peace. She's ready to take on this big challenge, being the, the one who's gonna birth the Messiah into the world, but Joseph needs to be told. And I think probably in cultural times, Joseph is going to be approached by Mary and maybe his father. That's what is we see here. Here's the context of it. Joseph's in the shop working hard. He sees two visitors come in. One was Mary, the other the, his, her father. Their expressions reveal that something was terribly wrong. And Mary's father says, what, am I, what I'm going to say to you brings no honor to me or to you. Mary, your betrothed, is pregnant. And the words fell upon Joseph like a hammer blow. He felt as if the world was crashing in on him. In shock, he asked, Mary, can this be true? And she says, yes, it is. He felt his knees begin to buckle. He felt the awful truth threaten to smother him. Unable to respond, he turns away from them and hot tears begin to blind his eyes. After very uncomfortable moments of silence, Mary and her father leave and Joseph moves into a sleepless uh, night that night and probably thinking about a meeting with Mary's father to make discussions about can we have a private ceremony to, call, to have a divorce. Okay, so there's where we are. But it just reminded me, just hearing Eddington's words kind of brought this story to life for me because I remember hearing hard news, as we all have. Maybe it's a loved one who has cancer. Maybe it's the death of a parent or a death of a child, or maybe it's the loss of a job or it's a diagnosis for yourself that's hard to face. And you just remember in that moment how hard it is to hear that. And our daughter, Rebecca, uh, at age about 13, was diagnosed with scoliosis. And I remember being distinctly in the examination room. The doctor just examined her, how bad her lumbar curve was. And he makes this comment to me that we can maybe have surgery to correct this. And as I heard that about my 13-year-old daughter, I remember standing there and I just, I felt like I wanted to throw up. Have you ever been in that moment? He's just so overtaken by the news as it comes. He's in a predicament. He's lost his appetite. He has an upset stomach. He can't sleep. He's asking these questions. How did this happen? Uh, what's going to happen to Mary? What's going to happen to our relationship? What's going to happen to me? What about my reputation? What about our reputation? And he works through two options. And this is the last emoji, I promise. It's the thinking emoji. Hmm. Got to make a decision here. First option is you disgrace her. You simply wash your hands of it and say, this is not my child. I had nothing to do with this. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happened. Maybe he's gotten some new information, but he's not on board yet. And he doesn't want to make that, that public shame just, uh, because that could lead, as it said in Deuteronomy 22, to possibly her stoning by the community, which if he loves her as he does, and he has compassion for her. He does not want that for her. So he's going to move into, I think, a second option, which is to divorce her quietly, which is what the scripture says to us. That's his intent, to divorce her quietly. You get two witnesses. You go to the synagogue. You simply say, this engagement is over, and we just go our different ways. 
Now, Mary's life's going to be different. She's with child, and uh, she's birthing that Messiah. He, I guess, is going to have to deal with the, the community. He's going to have to deal with his love for Mary. He's going to have to deal with lots of things. But the amazing thing is God comes to him in that moment with a dream that he has. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, the scripture makes it seem here at this point in verse 24 that I want you to hear this. When Joseph woke up, it says he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. I love that. He didn't have to call friends together, didn't have to discuss it, because I think, as it said, it gave us a clue to his character. He was a person of the word. He had faith in God's word. The scripture said he was faithful to the law, and so he was always trying to align himself. He made the predecision: If God's word says to do this, then I'm going to do it. And he has this angel tell him, you need to take Mary as your wife because she's got a child that's being brought into the world by the Holy Spirit and he's going to be the savior of the world and you're going to give him the name Yahshua, which means savior. And so he immediately steps into doing what God has asked of him to do. In Mark Batterson's book, Win the Day, he talks about durable learning. That's a term I want to remind you of, durable learning. Durable learning is, is, he talks about the Latin word for educate means to draw out of us. Now, when I think of the word educate, I think of putting things into us, right? I think of like getting stuff, information in my head, but educate means to draw out of us. That is a great way to think about how we learn the Bible, how we learn from God, because we are not supposed to be just filling our brains with all kinds of theological information. We are supposed to be drawing out of us a faithfulness, an obedience, a response. So in other words, what goes into the head comes into the heart, gets into the gut, and then comes out into some form of activity, which is obedience. And that is what we see in Joseph. He is told what to do, and he responds in obedience. Because we're not going to come to the end of our lives, and God's not going to say, good intention, Doug, good thoughts, you know, you, had, you, you really tried hard. He's going to say, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And we have this predecision that uh, Joseph has. He is going to step into God's will and do what God has asked of him. So we're going to come back to that, circle back around, about don't just in Advent be trying to learn more and more things. Let's start putting into practice that which we already know. Because friends, we already know more about Christ and about following Christ than we are doing. Did you hear that? We already know enough, but we're not always doing that which we know to be true. And truly, educated in Christ means to bring out of us, right, what it means to follow and be obedient. Joseph is not only obedient, he is courageous, and you know, this is tapped into this. So think about this. You do the little bit of the math. Uh, she's probably been, uh, she's probably three months into her pregnancy. Maybe it's a little baby bump going here. And he's now forcing, moving up the wedding date, probably up nine months. Now, moms of the congregation are probably in shock right now. If, you know, your daughter says, I want to move the wedding date up nine months because all the preparations and all the things. But think about this on Joseph's side. He was building this house for their family, and the house isn't ready. 
but he is now going to alter his plans so that he can step into God's greater plan. And he will do that, and he will take Mary as his wife, and he's very courageous in what he is doing. John Eldridge wrote a book called Resilient. I just want to recommend it to you. All I want to do is make a passing comment as I read something yesterday about our culture in America today. He acknowledges that we are kind of, we've gotten kind of soft. We have a culture of comfort and COVID has, has brought this to our awareness. We, our lives have been disrupted. And what we're seeing is people are, have recoiled back to their comfort and their luxuries and getting their happiness and joy back and their trips and their lives. And what we need to think about is our souls. Are we doing the necessary work to get our souls back from the trauma that we experienced with COVID and all the racial stuff and all the things that are a couple years back? How is it with your soul and the courage to do the work and to organize your life in such a way that you can take better care of your soul so that when God taps you to do something big for the kingdom of God, are you ready? Are you courageous? Will you step into that? Joseph stepped into it. He goes the, the rugged road to Bethlehem, taking her down there. That fulfills the prophecy that she'll be born in Bethlehem. And as Eddington said, Christmas is not just about twinkling stars, lovely songs, angelic choir lavish gifts from wise men. It's also about midnight flights from over Egypt and that uh, wastes us into the exile of Egypt. So what is he referring to here? The second dream. Okay, Jesus has just been born. I don't, we don't know how old he is. He could have been a couple years age. By now, the kings have showed up already. The gifts have been given. And a dream comes that Herod knows that this child's been born. You know the story. And he decides all children two and under are going to be executed, killed, right? Snuffed out. He wants to make sure he kills the Messiah and the, the, the casualty is not just going to be felt by the Holy Family. It's going to be felt by everyone because he doesn't know who the Messiah is. So he's just taking all kids to and out, to and younger old. And when I've been to the Holy Land. I've seen the church in the nativity. I've seen underneath the church in the nativity the little graves that they've dug out, the holdouts where these little bodies would have been placed. And it's sobering to know that when the light of Christ came into the world, the darkness came in as well. Joseph, Eddington said, is, big, is brimming with happiness and immediately has this dream which is almost like a nightmare and he's alerted of Herod's intentions and he has to go before the family is even says, once again, if you look at the scripture, that second dream, it'll show you that one, as soon as he had that dream, he didn't wait till morning. He didn't wait to gather provisions. He awoke the family and immediately got him out of there to preserve the safety of God's Messiah. A courageous act and a, a heroic deed by Joseph. A man of dreams, obedience, and courage, compassion over his wife. But let me just say this last thing, self-discipline. He was self-controlled. Verse 25, we almost didn't read it, but it says, he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. The angel didn't say, take her as your wife, but don't sleep with her, don't touch her, leave her alone. That was his decision. 
And let me just say to everyone who wants to do something courageous for God, everyone who wants to step up into God's thing, it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to realign your priorities. You're going to have to say no to yourself so that God's will can overtake your will in some circumstances. And this is a sacrifice he makes. He wants there to be no confusion that this is God's special child conceived by the Holy Spirit so he will not consummate the marriage. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a, a call to purity that we need to remember of God's work and God's will. There'll be no question here that will question the witness. So I'm going to end with this, something for you all to think about as we kind of wrap up our time. St. Benedict, who was an Italian Christian monk, used to talk about spiritual disciplines, and he developed what's called a rule of life. And a rule of life is not something as scary, a bunch of list of rules to follow. A rule of life, actually the word uh, in Latin for, for rule is trellis. And that's why we have an image of a trellis up there. You place certain rules in your life so that you can grow upwards, right? Because certain plants will flourish like grapevines if they're on a trellis. They can climb up there and get in closer to the sun. They can get out of the dirt and they can produce a better crop. In the same way, friends, we are called to trellis our lives through rule of life issues. Make some rules that guide your lives so that you can grow up into all that God has for you. So that you can become all that Jesus is calling you to be. So usually you put some spiritual disciplines like prayer and scripture reading and service and witnessing and solitude and different things that help you grow closer to the Lord. Today I want to use the trellis idea to put up the, the attributes of Joseph and lift them up for us. Let them challenge us today as we go into this season of Advent and as we finish strong these next two weeks before Christmas. The first one is obedience and Gina and I had this conversation, so I'm going to turn it over to you to have with a friend, your spouse, your children, uh, a coworker, anybody. Obedience. Instead of an emphasis on learning one more thing this Advent, what would it mean for you to do more of what you already know to be true? Is there something that you know to be true that you need to embrace and say that, you know what, I've known that to be true. I know that worship's important. I know that tithing's important. I know that having a quiet time's important. I know that whatever, I know that this is important, or I know that I need to forgive this person. Well, let's stop talking about it, and let's show some obedience and let Joseph encourage us today to be obedient and do what God has called us to do. The second one is compassion. Is there somebody in your world that you are being called to be compassionate towards? And the best way that people will know compassion, friends, is if a Christian who loves the Lord will show compassion and give the direction and the glory to God and be an advocate for God and speak God into that life. If someone out there needs compassion, and you can be that person. So just as Joseph showed compassion on Mary, not to disgrace her, who is God calling you to be compassionate towards? And what about courage? Is there a circumstance that demands courage from you right now? There's all kinds of things in life that are hard and challenging. Is there something that'll bring forth courage out of you? Because some people feel like the meaning and purpose of life is to arrive at the life with a lot of assets and your family around you and arrive safely. That's the goal of my life. I don't know, friends. Sometimes we need to say, God, what are you asking of me? And I need that courage to step into that. And lastly, self-discipline. Where are you willing to make decisions against yourself, your comfort, what you wish, 
so that purity might prevail. God's witness can come forth and you can be a God's person in that need, what he's calling you to do. So four questions, four thoughts, and Joseph, I think, embraces those for us. So I'm gonna invite us into a time of prayer as we close and ask you to just uh, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this congregation, these who gathered today. Grateful for the witness of Joseph. He truly is an above average Joe. Lord, he was the right man to, to come alongside Mary, to be engaged and to marry her and to create a family social structure where Jesus could be raised. And we're grateful that he stepped into the mission to facilitate Jesus, the savior of the world. And so God, we have, Embrace today his obedience, his compassion, his courage, and his self-discipline. And we ask your Holy Spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us now into these areas where we can grow and become what you've called us to be. We want more of Jesus in Advent, Lord. We want to grow, and we want to do what we've been called to do. Give us courage. Give us strength for this hour. Bless us as we follow you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.